Okay, Bus Bench Babes, we have an awesome episode today. We are interviewing Maddie and Alex, first-time homebuyer, millennials, and they just navigated this whole home buying experience on their own. And really, as real estate agents, we need to know what is in the mind of a millennial when they're purchasing their first home. And we are going to ask all of the questions that we all need to know. So let's dive in and do this. You're listening to the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast, where we invite you to check your ego at the app, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready to dive into all things real estate marketing, social media, friendship, hardship, love, money mindset, and all the things that celebrate you as a badass boss babe. We're here to encourage you, show up for you, give you a loving kick in the pants when you need it most, and be your soft place to land on the hardest of days. So pull up a seat at our table and get ready to be inspired and start living your best life by design. Welcome to the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast. We are so excited you're here. Okay, girls, let's dive in. Okay, Best Friends Babes, we are going to chat today all about what it looks like to work with a millennial. Let's face it, this is something that a lot of us are missing when it comes to real estate on how to market to them, what they're looking for, and how things are just different now. So welcome to the show, Maddie and Alex. We're so excited to have you here. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having us. Happy to be on. Well, okay. So Maddie, I met you once. (laughs) Your mom is going to be the latest person on our team. She's the latest agent joining our team and she's already on our team now. And it's, it's so exciting. And so I met you when your parents were selling their house and it was your childhood home. So I just met you in passing when you were visiting Minnesota. Um, but tell us, tell us about yourselves, like how, what brought you to Texas and what do you do for fun? Yeah. So Alex and I are two transplants in Texas. Um, I'm originally from Minnesota. He's from North Carolina. And we moved in 2018 following first job out of college. So wherever the first job was that one of us got, we agreed we were just going to both go. I I actually followed her. Yeah. Uh, She had the job (laughs) first and I just kind of trailed along. Good choice. Good choice. Smart man. It It worked out for me. It did. And we both ended up in aerospace, not by degree, but by kind of falling into it. That's so really Houston's cool. a really good yeah. city for that. We like to joke around that we're more of inside cats than outside cats, um, despite <laughs> the fact that uh, I have a lot of friends who like camping and and that I drive a Subaru. We don't like the outdoors that much. Um, so we spend most of our time inside. Uh, our favorite things are kind of uh, trying new restaurants and bars. Um, we both play video games occasionally. I like to cook a lot. Um, so we spend a lot of time inside. So house is kind of important for us as we spend most of our time here. I love it. Some of my friends always talk about their, they have a mutual friend. It's a friend of my husband's and he is like an indoors guy and they call him the avid indoorsman. Mm, yes. <laughs> that's that's, a good like, way that's what I would probably describe you guys <laughs> really as. I love it. Really <laughs> I love it. So what, what prompted the idea of buying your first home? Like if you have jobs that might move you around, like what was, what, where did the thought process start to get the ball rolling for buying a home? So you kind of hit the nail on the head for a while. We both were in jobs where if we needed to up and move, we would have no problem doing so. Or if there was going to be a new job that was more exciting in a different city, 
absolutely would do so. But rent. Yes. Yeah, rent. it's brutal. It's it's is it brutal in Houston too? In uh, Minneapolis, it's insane. Yeah, it was. Um, we have friends that are getting raised um, at re- uh, lease renew several hundred dollars a month. It's just wow jumping. Um, and the same is going to be true for us. And you know, you go down, you make a stink at the uh, the realtor office, and they tell you, "Well, you're already below market rate. It's the best we can do. We don't set them." And it's just because yeah. the apartment complexes—they don't. That's just what they. All the complexes in the area are owned by one overarching, you know. Oh, like the yeah. the man. So, like you're. Yes. It would not going anywhere. You would have fallen on yes. deaf ears. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Did you guys rent when you first moved to Houston? Yes. yes. Okay. We rented for four years in two different complexes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't until Alex, his latest job that he started about a year ago is like a really good fit. He it's, I'll let you talk about it cause it's your job, but yeah. So, um, at the beginning of 2021, I was really looking for a new job. I hated where I was and we were actually looking at moving out of Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, but I landed a job with Axiom Space. It's a small, um, growing space startup. We actually just had our first major launch today. Uh, first wow, uh, commercial exciting. crew to the National Space Station. Super yeah, it's, it, was, it was great. Um, but yeah, so at the time, you asked why we started saving for our house, what made us decide. That pile of money started out as budgeting for a wedding. Okay. Yes, that was the wedding fund. We are, <laughs> we are engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thinking was, well, we can get married in Houston. It's, you know, a lower cost of living. It's fine. And we'll move out after a little bit. Uh, and then unfortunately I ended up with a job. I can see myself growing in for the next 10 years at least. And yeah. Yeah. So it just made sense at that point for us to look at a house, look to put down roots versus before, if we were ready to go at any moment, it just didn't seem worthwhile to go through all the effort of buying a house. Because we were kind of alternating. One of us yeah. would love our job. One of us would hate it. Yeah. One of us would love. One of us would. So it was never both of us happy. <laughs> and we finally hit that a year ago, and it has stayed true. So that's what made getting a house in the area really reasonable. That's awesome. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. Good for you. So that's really. So you just really like summed up why at a younger age and in before marriage and you know you're navigating this a little bit differently you're doing it without the help of your parents correct like it's a very Mm -hmm. different process you're in a different city so um you really summed that all up in that one question I had a couple more but I think you (laughs) just answered them for me no that's great that's really great so can we dive into I think just a little bit here, why do you think millennials get such a bad rap? Like reality versus stereotype. Because right now you make up a huge part of the real estate market, a huge percentage. And you kind of get a bad rap. Like you just, Mm -hmm. and so we're trying to like navigate this and figure out how to sort of like debunk these myths that are out there. Mm -hmm. So I think one thing to keep in mind, we're on the younger side of millennials. You are. So we're 27. Yeah. So a lot of, when we talk about millennials, we're probably crossing the millennial Gen Z weird zone in between. Yeah. Um, But I think a lot of the bad rap people like to assign to millennials is that they're not hitting the adult milestones when their parents did. And it's, it's in part because it's a really different world to look at. Like 
between the two of us, we had spent 50K on student loan debt to start. So like we had, to, for us, we tackled that before we even thought about house or wedding or anything kind of of That's that so magnitude. Smart. Yeah. Um, and because you're not hitting those milestones, people tend to think of it as like an extended youth or you, you know, you're kiddish <laughs> for longer. Yeah. When in reality, you're just prioritizing different things. Yeah. Like, sure. because you want to travel doesn't mean that you're not an adult. It just means that's what's more important to you right now. Well, and yeah, not because you didn't want to have get married at 23 and have babies at 25. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that's what a lot of the parents did back in the day. And yeah. Yeah. I love that. I do too. So let's let's like pivot a little bit and chat more about like your actual home buying experience and what where you sort of made your decisions. Because again, like the, you're making up a really large percentage of the marketplace mm-hmm. right now. And being on the younger end is actually really cool because that's making up an even bigger percentage right now. Mm-hmm. So like where did you go first? Like how did you start this process? Did you go to a realtor, a lender, or like what did that look like for you? So I had a, a coworker who had recently bought a house that was uh, just a couple of years older than me. And she had a realtor that she knew, I guess, before they were like an official relationship. They, uh, they were in a running club together. And she talked about how great her realtor was. Um, when we started thinking about looking for a house, I contacted her and said, hey, you know, I'm scared of looking at reviews and stuff. I don't know who to pick, who to go with. You said you had somebody that was really great. Can you put us in touch? Um, and she did. And we ended up uh, with that realtor first. Uh, she was fantastic. We met at the coffee shop. Uh, our first meeting was just going over the basics. We went through lists of budget, uh, what we have for down payments, uh, locations, areas, wants, uh, dislikes, don't wants. Um, really just find out what was realistic for the area. Uh, she introduced us to the uh, real estate website for the area. I know most people use something like uh, Zillow and uh, mm-hmm. all those other uh, for the Houston, I think Texas area, there's a site called HAR, H-A-R. Um, and that was it's a little more. probably the Houston Association of Realtors. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was a bet- better than some of those yep. uh, bigger, larger scale ones. It was more up to date, oftentimes had better pictures, better information. Um, so we used that a lot. Uh, once we decided to seriously look, you asked about lenders. So we started with that realtor. Um, once we decided to seriously look, we went honestly online where everybody else goes and started using sites like NerdWallet to look for lenders. So one thing I want to highlight that our realtor did that was really nice, that first meeting, we kind of walked in not even knowing if our budget was realistic for what we wanted. And she kind of sat us down and gave us a really honest, yes, you will probably end up looking at a lot of stuff. What you find will not be perfect. You will end up with a house probably with projects, which is exactly what we did. Our, we've got a lot of stuff that we want to do here. But she did a really good job of setting the stage for us as opposed to if I think if Alex and I had started looking on our own, we would have been really overwhelmed. And that ties into a little bit, like you said, you know, we can call our parents, but it's not the same as having them come to an open house with us and, you know, look through things. So it felt really, really bolstering to have some guidance and have it uh, walked through, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is just a total sidebar question. This is just for my curiosity. Is your agent similar in age to you or older? Like, what's the age of your agent? 
Uh, she's probably the same, around the same age as my friend. So a okay. little bit older, maybe uh, okay. low 30s. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Interesting. So, yeah. How did you guys do your research? You know, like, where did you... <laughs> so You, t- you talked you about your wallet, but mm-hmm. like, like, you know... So big p- picture research, what does personal finance in your 20s look like? I admit to being a huge personal finance nerd. There were a solid couple years. It doesn't surprise me at all knowing your mother. Yes. Uh, Her type A, my type A matches real well. (laughs) But there was a lot of information kind of in general about how to save, how to start investing, how to start saving for a down payment. So then once we had kind of reached our lump sum moment, we had this money, we wanted to do something with it. Then we looked to work with the realtor on what was reasonable for the area. Mm-hmm. So we did kind of, for the particulars of each house, trust the realtor not to lead us astray on that one. You know, she, she was the expert. Yeah. And that's, I think, really what it came down to. We went to experts for expert questions. Um, but like on the personal level, Alex and I would talk through what we wanted together And then normally we would take it to our parents separately because neither one are local. So, you know, everybody's kind of, it's general advice. Um, But I thought our parents did a pretty good job of pointing out scenarios that we hadn't thought of. You know, if there's a certain house that was on a busy street or if, did we actually look at the school districts? Did we keep stuff like that in mind? Um, Or to help put things in perspective over, well, that's an easy fix versus a hard fix. Yeah. Is the roof in good shape? Is the foundation in good shape? You can paint. And like, yeah, my mom, Amy was really good about that. She was very realistic about, okay, you guys can put in some sweat here, Yeah, but the bones are good. Yeah. yeah. How much did your parents um, input factor in when making decisions? Were there things that made you, you're like, oh shoot, we really wanted that house. And then they kind of talked us out of it. Was there any of that happening? Um, yeah, the talking out of it, not of like a house in specific, but a lot of times, you know, we would talk to each other and be like, this sounds like the right plan. And then I'd go off and call my parents and it'd be like, that's not the right plan because of this reason. And I'd be like, oh, well, I didn't think about that reason. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there was a fair amount of it. Mm -hmm. Not as much as there could have been, thankfully. Yeah. Um, one thing I actually want to expound on is, uh, Maddie mentioned to, uh, our realtor providing expert advice. That was in a couple different areas. So on one hand, we had things like, here's how you make the offer and things like that. But on the other hand, it was just like knowing almost the history of the area and housing in general. Um, my best example of that is we waived, uh, we didn't wave, but we did not get a lead paint inspection done. Okay. And I saw that that had been checked off and I worry. So I freaked out and I called her. I called our realtor and was like, why did we not do this? Are we going to die? Are we going to get like, should we be doing this? Um, and she kind of talked me through, well, your house was built here. This is about when lead paint started to be phased out. Here are the uh, realistic dangers. Here's what we like. The, here are the reasons why we did this and why it worked on the offer. And it made me feel a lot better. So it wasn't mm-hmm. just like the finances, but also just some of that history. We also talked about like, um, galvanized steel piping and some of the roofs that like she knew things about uh, construction and basic house things that really put me at ease. Did she just tell you not to chew on your woodwork? 
Uh, that did come up, yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the little line, you must learn in real estate school. Just don't eat the paint. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. can, we, can we chat a little bit more about your realtor and like you mentioning like you went to experts for like expert questions, right? So what I know that she was really knowledgeable to you as the process went on, but what originally made you, aside from the referral from a friend, which that obviously played into it, but what else told you like this, you know what, she's someone that I can see us working with. Like we can trust her. What was it about her, her business? What made you feel comfortable? So she did have a social media presence. It would. Yeah. Saw her on Instagram, saw her on Twitter. I think she had just like a regular website page too, that we looked at before we met her. Um, and then once we had met her, like that kind of sealed the deal. She was very no nonsense. Yes. She wasn't trying to sell us on getting the a best house. way to put it. Yeah. But she was like, here's realistically what you can get and what you can expect. And if that's something you want to move forward on, here's your next steps I would suggest for you. She sounds like our people. I yeah, like this woman does. already. She, she was good. <laughs> I, I came out of that meeting very assured of what would happen going forward, where we were. Like she just had a folder like a, with a worksheet of everything to go through. It was yeah. fantastic. She laid it all out. And I think what's really helpful is she knew we were transplants. Mm-hmm. We weren't up on, like in Houston, you have to worry about hurricanes. We didn't have the history to be like, okay, when did Ike hit and what areas were affected? And, you know, like we didn't have mm-hmm. any of that kind of background. So it was really helpful for a realtor, especially working with people that are new to the area, mm-hmm. to be able to point out those sort of things that, okay, if you're looking in this area, just as a heads up, you want to watch for X, Y, Z. So of course the list in Houston will look different than the list in Minnesota. Yeah. Well, the different of weather concerns there. Were you guys able to get an inspection? Yes. So, you know, like 50% of people in Minnesota are waiving their inspections. Wow. Walk us through like the inspection. Like how did that go with so, the house and with the agent and the other agent? And So we'll actually start by saying we got an inspection, but we waived appraisal. So we did include it as part of our offer that we would cover whatever the mortgage was. So you put in a big appraisal gap in case yeah. it were to appraise low. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Did you have? Did it, ha- did it come in play? It came in exactly where we we got. It almost always does. It almost always does. But if you have the cash, that's great to be able to do that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we had kind of fiddled with our down payment. Like the lump sum was the lump sum. Yep. We just fussed around with where what went. What where. your down payment would look like if it if you had to move the number. Exactly. And that yeah. is also something our, our realtor helped a lot with. So was, smart. Yeah. Sliding yeah. those numbers around. So we. Our inspection, you set it up. Our inspector, so actually that was also something, not to keep saying it, but uh, our realtor actually sent over uh, recommended and trusted inspection services at places okay. that she had. Um, okay. So we ended up going with one, with one of those. Uh, the inspection I can only describe as a man with a ladder and a backpack showed up and just was a whirlwind through the house for like two hours. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty incredible, right? <laughs> he showed up and he, he's like, hi, nice to meet you. Just kept going in. He uh, went into the kitchen and turned on literally every single thing and then like left, like went in the backyard for a while. It was, I didn't follow around the whole time, but um, that was really good. 
Um, I actually had to leave before the end of the inspection, so I was not there for the report, but... But Jeanette, our realtor, was there. I was there. And the house is 50 years old. Okay. Of course there's things that are not... I don't want to say wrong, because a lot of stuff wasn't an immediate fix. It was just like, a, by the way, you will eventually need to do this. Mm-hmm. So the inspection, in a lot of ways, confirmed what we already knew was probably going to be a problem. We didn't have any showstoppers. Um, we had a little bit of a surprise later on when we had some work done before we moved in, because we had about a month between breaking the lease and actually moving. Like we got our keys, and then a month later we broke our lease. So we were able to come get some contractors in. We redid part of the floor because there was water damage. And of course, once you start looking at something. It keeps going. It's yeah. like everything else is broken. You too. opened up Pandora's box yes. a little bit. <laughs> yes. Um, but we got it taken care of. And it was something the inspection was like, this is likely a problem. I can't cut into the wall right now. So I cannot tell you it will be. It was also, um, you were here for this and I wasn't. But like I said, I was not there at the end of the inspection. I only saw the report. And the report is terrifying. The report says <laughs> everything is broken. This is deficient. This is deficient. This is that deficient. deficient word is terrifying. You're and, like, oh my God, I, I just bought a piece of awful. crap. I saw the next morning at work and I panicked. And mm-hmm. so I talked to Maddie and apparently the inspector in person was a little more like, I have to write this down as bad. This is a thing that like the roof will not collapse. You'll be fine. You can fix it later. Yes. Um, it's like, it, is it twen- if you built this, today in 2022 you would not be able to build this house as it stands but it's like the majority of it is fine so yeah it was built in the 70s it was updated at some points along the way you can tell like that's all it is so in general i just think it's good advice to be there for the inspection at least at the end Mm -hmm. so you can hear a little bit more of the truth and rather not what they have, what they have to put into their board. Yes. If that makes sense. Well, the, and the bedside manner of the inspector yes, also is a, is a big thing yeah. where you're like, how is the delivery of the information? Cause it can be yes. terrifying or it can be like, okay, we've got this. We're okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm so glad we got the inspection done. Yeah. Even if it was scary to see the 70 page report afterwards, it was yeah. nice to have him, someone who knew what was going on, the expert again, looking at it. Well, and a lot of buyers use that as a roadmap for doing updates. Mm-hmm. That's exactly great yeah. to have, yeah. it, you know, yeah, and then exactly. you have that for when the time comes to sell and you can say, we've done everything on this list and now the house is in great shape. Yeah. Except for all the eight other things that we found <laughs> that are also broken. <laughs> Welcome to homeownership. Uh, yeah. Everybody <laughs> keeps saying that. <laughs> it's crazy though. I have a new construction home and I have stuff happening all the time. My, my AC has been fixed five times and we've lived here oh, eight years. Lord. So yeah. I feel like the seventies construction is probably like built to last a little bit better than new construction is sometimes. And like a lot of times mm-hmm. you'll have old ACs. You're like, these are as old as you guys are and they work just fine. Yes. We live in yeah. a 1909 and we bought it as a fixer. So we have lived that life for a very long time. <laughs> I feel you. I feel yeah. you. Uh-huh. Yes. But the bones are good. So mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So 
near okay let's let's dive into some just facts about the younger generations in in home buying so right now approximately 24% of people under the age of 25 own a home that stat really blew my mind it's is that well, surprising to you guys bananas and 37% of home buying is millennials and over 50% of all new mortgages are millennials so i love that you yeah you just navigated this and your generation is definitely doing things differently. So like, what would you say makes it different? And like, what do you think that you're looking for a little differently? So I think generation wise, like a lot of my friends who are not looking to buy a home right now, who aren't even looking at like a new apartment, they have Zillow downloaded. They love to watch HGTV. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got so much exposure to looking at somebody's house that we don't know, so we can be brutally honest, yeah. mean, however you want to film that. <laughs> brutally <brutally-y> critical. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's kind of that exposure to different things we like or don't like. It's it's a lot easier to keep the concept of owning a home or just living in a home at the forefront of your mind. You know, it's fun to look through houses instead of scrolling on Instagram. And you know, you don't have to go to an open house to look through that. So yeah. And there were a lot of when we were looking at um, the real estate website, there were a lot of times we would roll through pictures and we'd be like, I don't know how this attaches to anywhere else in the house. So then it becomes the puzzle of how does this house yes. actually, like this room, we cannot figure out where the hallway to get there this is. Me too, every time. It's like <laughs> yeah. you're playing a game of Clue. Yes. So many houses were judged just on the pictures that were there. Yeah. 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 Did you guys see a bunch of like flip phone type pictures when you were yeah. looking for houses where you're like, uh-huh. oh my God, did they hire a professional photographer? Like, why are they not spending money to do that? We're seeing that in Minneapolis quite a bit. It's terrible. Yeah. Or listings where there's only two pictures. One of them is like the outside and one is of like a rusted lawnmower in the backyard. And that's it. <laughs> they were saying the lane for that one. That one was all about the lane and the house was not part of and the lawn- lane. We're throwing so. in the lawnmower to help you mow yeah. your lawn. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... <laughs> in addition to that, you mentioned just doing things differently and navigating it. The other thing I guess obviously my parents wouldn't have done is the first thing everybody does nowadays is Google something. Yeah. Aside from our realtor and, and the things she recommended, everything came from, okay, what's got five stars? What are people saying about it? Like what, what can I learn about this before I go into it? Because mm-hmm. I'm terrified to meet with someone and tell them I'm a new homeowner without having some sort of trust that they're not going to try and take advantage of me. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That That's yeah. like gold right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Well, and I feel like a lot of inexperienced agents get weeded out pretty quick because you guys are doing so much research ahead of time. You can't mm-hmm. just show up and like be a slick willy salesman. Like you're going to see through that in one second. Yeah. Yeah. It'll feel yeah, it's really point. disingenuous. One quick Google search yes. on Instagram scroll, and you're like, next. No, <laughs> yeah. thank you. Yeah. That's well, excellent like, way. There were some real estates I looked at on Insta, real estate agents on Instagram that were only showing like million dollar houses on their feed. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, wonderful, absolutely not in our budget. <laughs> that is not something we would, yeah. you know, and that kind of weeded them out. Even if they may actually operate a lot within our budget, it's just the pretty houses that look nice on Instagram. But to me, I see that and I go, they're not really going to want to spend time with us at our budget to work through. Um, That has always crossed my mind in my career. I've had 
and I sell every price point, but every once in a while I'll have someone say, well, do you work in my price point? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Ooh, that is like note to self. We need to be talking about all price points that we work with just so someone isn't feeling like I wouldn't be a match for them. Yeah. yeah. That was something we asked Jeanette. We were like, is this budget something you would work with or would you recommend someone to us? Yeah. yeah. And part of it was we knew Jennifer was pretty close in our, to our age. We knew she was probably pretty close to our budget. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. It is. And it's a part of like your research beforehand. Like you're saying, you're doing that, like the Googling, the internet search, the social media, that sort of thing beforehand. You can kind of collect all that information and it goes with your brand identity right there, right away yeah. before they've even connected with someone. I mean, yeah. that showcases it. Which we are always talking about, like building a brand and yeah. how important your brand identity is. Yeah. For you to like know, like, important. and trust someone before you Absolutely. even meet them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, I love that she has social media presence. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Yay, Maybe she to the podcast. Well, if she's not, <laughs> we should have her. Um, yeah. You guys are just such a huge part of the piece of the puzzle of like who's buying homes right now. Um, what do you think is being missed when you're being marketed to? So we talked about it a little bit and how we're not from the Houston area. We wanted the realtor to like be from the Houston area. She wasn't born here. She wasn't raised or anything like that, but she had been here for 10 years. years. She knew the area really well. Uh And also the strong online presence. There were probably lots of realtors that would have met our needs, but if we can't find anything about them online, that's a lot harder to set up the face-to-face meeting you're going in really blind yeah real estate agents listening to this are you listening (laughs) to this you have to have a strong online presence and that that doesn't and that doesn't necessarily mean like you know be posting on instagram all the time or something like that it just means you can't have zero things you can't have zero things yeah you need to have some sort of reason to trust you um and also this goes in hand with that but like i mentioned earlier we kind of felt a little more on our own. Mm-hmm. Um, so having, even once we got there, having her feel like a, almost a stronger presence who knows how to handle this, someone that we can lean on a little bit and help us navigate. That was really, really important because I definitely felt out of my depth before meeting with her. And especially we were working with an online lender. So some of the conversations we might've had with a local lender about, does it make sense to waive appraisal? Does it make sense? You know, Jeanette kind of filled that role in for us. She and she stuck answers. pretty generic on it, but it was it was still helpful to have if she's the one human we're working with. She has to know a little bit of everything. Why did you choose to do an online lender versus using one of her lenders that she recommended? Honestly, the convenience of it. Really? So Better Mortgage had, they must have had 10 different combos where you can look at if you do this much if you spend this much in points, here's how much you pay down, what your mortgage comes to, how does that look over the next 10 years, 30 years, kind of at every single price point. And we're pretty fortunate that we've got just regular W-2 jobs. There's nothing fancy we need to explain away. There's not really anything, you know, we submit, this is what our salary is. This is what it's been for the last two years. Nothing that requires explanation. So that's kind of why we felt comfortable going with an online lender. Did you get good customer service throughout the whole process? It's always fascinating to me because you get very interesting comments from online lenders. 
So there were a couple sticking points. Um, we got handed around to a couple different people over the mm-hmm. course of it. And so like one of them was awful. And like we, every time we'd ask a question, he'd be like, let me check on that for you and like leave or call oh, us back. And this should be an easy question. And then we had another one that was awesome, knew everything, clearly understood. So it was kind of a mixed bag there. Okay. Um, overall, I think it was pretty good. I've even had issues uh, like our mortgage got transferred, obviously, after like the first month, somebody knew. And I had issues with that, that transfer process. And I called them like better back up and they were really helpful, cleared it up for me very quickly. Okay. So. So I can definitely see why it's less desirable to use an online lender. Because if we hadn't, what if we went from bad person to bad person to bad, you know, yeah. Yeah. that's an entirely different cycle. Or if there was anything beyond just submitting W-2s and tax forms that we wanted to be able to talk through that would have, you know, then we, I think that would have been a very different situation for us. Yeah. So the thing that keeps coming up with what you're looking for really over and over is information. Yes. Like information available. So the online lender was easier because all that information you could have got from a local lender, but it would have taken longer. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't something you could just like sit in your pajamas on like a Friday night and like figure out, right? That, so yeah. like that's yeah. the difference there. It's that yeah. internet. That's a huge thing. Online. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we both work nine, like, you know, eight to fives all day. We get home, we had to do almost all of this in the evenings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So having convenience. Yes. Were you guys in multiple offers? I didn't ask you that earlier. Yes. You were. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there were multiple. Well, what do you mean by multiple offers? So were you competing against other people for the house? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's interesting that an online lender was even chosen in a multiple offer situation. We were told we had the highest offer. Okay. And I think because we waived the appraisal, they said, and That's this huge. house they had been renting for 15 okay. years. So they weren't living it in anymore. It was completely emptied out. I don't think there was necessarily a sprint to sell if we had gotten, you know, if it had taken an extra two weeks or something. And there probably wasn't an emotional attachment at that point because no. it was no. just an investment. Uh-huh. Yeah. They just wanted bought a big bottom line. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. the uh, the water damage Maddie mentioned earlier was very apparent. Like the uh, the old uh, vinyl flooring uh, outside in this hallway was was just like ripped up and shredded. So it would, like you you would walk in the house and that's like the first thing you would see. So I wonder if other people saw that and were like, well, who knows what else is under the hood? Yeah. yeah. So you we we asked you about like what you think is being missed for other realtors marketing to you or just real estate, I guess mortgage anything in real estate world. What do you think is missed when marketing to you just across the board as like a millennial generation? Like what do you think is people are missing? Like what is it? I think it's the information, like you said. Um, it feels, I don't know if this is true, but it feels like things in general, whether this market or other markets have gotten more complicated since our parents, you know, when we were first looking for jobs. I had my, my parents say the thing that all, you know, the older generations say, why don't you just show up to their office and hand them a resume? And like, you, you, you can't do that anymore. That doesn't work. Cause it's 2022. Right. So, so if that doesn't work anymore, what else has changed? I can't necessarily rely on my parents, not through any fault of their own, just cause things have gotten more complicated yeah. and I don't know where else to navigate. So I'm going to Google things. I'm going to desperately ask people who, who I know have done this, that I trust. It's just that information gathering mm-hmm. that we really need. And I think a great way to market 
to that is to be really aware of what your reviews look like and if there are anything that you should like if your reviews are giving a consistent story whether that's the full story or just like part of it to try and either outright address that somewhere where like let's say your reviews all seem to be coming from people in their 40s and people talking about this is my second house this is like our age loves to read a Yelp review loves to read a Google review that's how we choose everything yeah so even if your reviews are telling one thing, if you can have a way to address what the reality is, I think that's helpful across the board for anybody running a service. That's really good advice. It is really good advice. And it, as a whole, they say like the millennial can see through anything inauthentic, like immediately with social media, social um, you media know, right especially. away with like marketing and that sort of, you can see it differently because you're living in a different world and, and you have your entire life. So everything that you're saying lines up with that transparency <laughs> information, like just putting it out there. Yeah. That's really helpful. I love that. I do too. Um, okay. Uh, this one I've been excited to ask you. Okay. Top three tips as a millennial, like what were that your top three tips that you found most helpful that you advice that you would pass along to either realtors working with millennials or a millennial listening to this, it's about to buy their first house. What would you say to them? So for a millennial about to buy the first house, I am a number cruncher. It was so comforting to me to have Okay, if I run all the numbers, if we have a mortgage up to 300K, what does that actually look like monthly? If I do 275 instead, what does that look like? like lining up those numbers and knowing how they fit in with our current budget, where where do we have to make up money? Where was it actually lower than our rent? Yeah. Like that was really helpful. Comparing month to month to like what rent was or would be in a couple of years was huge because the mortgage the month to month on a $300,000 house is different than on a 250k house, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and doing those was, calculations. It was very eye opening for it to be like, Oh yeah, this $2,000, 2000 square foot house is pretty much equivalent in rent to our 1100 apartment. That that just keeps going up year after year after year. You're looking at the future too. You're looking at Mm -hmm. year a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what we would have to do in an apartment complex is say, okay, we know what our max budget is. If we're assuming 150, 100 to 150 increases every year, how many times do we actually want to move? Well, that resets your budget lower for however long you want to stay in the, it's a complicated puzzle. Mm -hmm. Versus a house and a mortgage is one price from now until it's done. Yeah. Um, other tips would be uh, look at a lot of things, both online and in person. Um, we went to a lot of open houses, not all of them with our realtor, which was fine because there were many where it, we were out. It was a nice Saturday. There were five open houses. Let's go look at them all in the area. And it buying us a couple especially, there were things that I thought she would like or dislike that she, didn't work out the way and vice versa. So the, I do most of the cooking. So we get look at a kitchen. I'd be like, Oh, I hate this. And she'd be like, Oh, that's why I went to look at this one. I thought you'd like it. Yeah. So it, it <laughs> kind of helps narrow down exactly what you're looking for to see it in person. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. 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 Anything think, else you can think of? 
I think it, it goes back to is the time commitment of a house. And you guys would know more about this than we would because we were operating that in gut feeling. House feels permanent. How permanent is permanent? That's a subjective thing. But until one of us had a job that we loved that required us to stay local, a house felt too permanent. This is very interesting because I think a lot of people think that, but I'm like, you, I mean, I think of like, it's cringeworthy to think of how much money that you added up for four years of renting. Whereas if you guys would have bought a house even three years ago, you, you would be probably have enough money to move to an upsize house. Yeah. Because of how much homes have appreciated. I mean, they've been double digits the last three or four years. That's terrifying. There's enough projects in this house. (laughs) <laughs> you're like no thank you <laughs> wow that's a good point though yeah that might be something that's missed when working with millennials is houses don't have to be as permanent as they feel mm-hmm. no and you literally if you got trans if you got moved somewhere and the market wasn't great for selling you just turn it into a rental property <laughs> you know how much you paid in rent <laughs> yeah, <we do. laughs> yeah yeah so i mean it's it could easily be turned into a rental property so that's i like i love that advice because like maybe that i need to be talking about that more when i'm working with millennials yeah. is so a lot of times the conversations that i'm having is like have you ever thought of being a landlord even if you're living in the same city or you got relocated, I mean, your first home generally makes a really great rental. And that's most people mm-hmm. don't get wealthy from their jobs. They usually get re- extremely wealthy through investing in real estate. Mm-hmm. And some people are like, well, I, I never really thought about it. Maybe I should be looking at this differently. Yeah, But it's I good that you guys are yeah. saying this, that, <laughs> yeah, homes aren't permanent. They mm-hmm. never have to be. Good to know. <laughs> I guess it's just it, it, it's such a big inv- time and money investment that it feels that way it feels like oh well we can't move we just did all of this yeah yeah so. yeah especially if you're doing a lot of the work yourselves there's like an emotional attachment to yeah, that definitely. oh oh I'm there it's, <laughs> it's a lot also I, we have a love hate relationship with our home mm. mostly love a little bit of hate so <laughs> Yeah, I wish you yeah. well on your construction remodeling journey. It's going to be fantastic. Thank you. Yes. We have a drill, and I think that's it. <laughs> so we're coming in with just an apartment's worth of tools. Yeah. So a lot oh, of home depot trips. <laughs> well, and your agent probably has awesome resources for handymen and yes, like mm-hmm. yeah. any she's, any she's resource, fantastic. she's got a Rolodex full of names and numbers. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, this, is this has Thank been fun. So I actually learned stuff that yeah. I am going to use going forward. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for being here. So we just awesome. really broke down uh, the home buying process for millennial and the big thing I think was information and transparency. So thank you so much, Maddie and Alex, for being here. We Thanks for having this. us. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Congratulations, yeah, congratulations on your first home purchase. Yeah. It's exciting. Thank you. So until next time, remember to keep your face off a bus bench and keep being the badass boss babe that you are. Okay, girls, are you feeling as inspired as we are? We're over here cheering you on because you just finished another episode of the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast. If you want more, head over to girlgetyourfaceoffabusbench.com for show notes and more episodes. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. They mean the world to us and they're what keep us going. Girl, thanks for being here.